0: folks, Big Jake here just to take a minute and remind you that Music the Lifeblood is not a politically correct podcast, so the following episode might have some colorful commentary on the subjects at hand. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Sitting around with time to kill, if we don't do it then no one will. Our eyes are our thoughts are low, 15 minutes till we lose control. You are now
2: listening to... Music, Music. The Lifeblood generation behind Going nowhere is just fine Maybe tonight's the night
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Music the Lightblood. I am your very humble host, Dustin. Little bit different kind of an episode, this one. Here's why. Most of you know that on YouTube, Music the Lightblood also has two other shows. One that I host, called Vinyl Thursday, and Vinyl Thursday's sister show, Conversations from the Pit, co-hosted by myself... And Music the Lightblood's own third man in the field, Mr. John Carter. The audio from this episode is a discussion for an episode of Music the Lightblood's conversations from the pit between myself and John Carter. But we had all kinds of issues with Skype. Audio, visual, just anything that you could think could go wrong did go wrong but I felt like the discussion was worth letting you guys hear so I salvaged the audio as best as I could so don't expect a miracle it is going to sound quite a bit different than what you're used to on the Music of the Lightblood podcast however I still think there's substance in the discussion that John Carter and I had so I felt like it would be a good idea to turn it into an episode of the Music the Lightblood podcast. So, there you go. That's why this is what is going on with this episode. So, sit tight and enjoy a lost episode of Conversations from the Pit. Ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned into another episode of Music the Lightblood's Conversations from the Pit. I am your very humble host, Dustin. Join with me, as always, The sprinkles to my donut. Mr. John Carter.
1: Hey, good to be back.
0: Hey, John. It's been a hey. minute. Mm-hmm. All right, so tons and tons and tons of things has happened since the last time you and I spoke, but I'm sure we'll be able to cover all that stuff over the coming months, but right now, within the last 24 hours, uh, we just got the announcement that Slayer is going to call it a day. Uh, they've said we're going to do one last big World War, th-
1: or World War. <laughs> world it probably tour. could be World War III.
0: They're going to do one last gigantic tour, and then presumably that's it. They're pulling the plug on things. So I definitely wanted to get your thoughts about this, because I think as far as Slayer go, Slayer goes, I think you and I probably line up pretty well as far yeah. as, you know, what we think about the band catalog and all that stuff. But just right off the top, what, what, what were your initial thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, like anybody, um, at first, you know, you see that and you're like, okay, I always think about the Aussie tours, Aussie farewell tours that he had, like, 10 of them, the Judas Priest farewell tours, um, the Kiss yeah, farewell yeah. tours, uh, you know. So, I mean, the thing of it is there's, there's equity in the Slayer name. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, a lot of people kind of defected from the Slayer camp when Hanneman died, and they either loved it or hated it when when Holt jumped in. So it's kind of like, I think, in a way, that this Farewell Tour is kind of, react, kind of like a a, a, uh, a reaction to the reaction of them, you know, going on without Hanneman, in a way. Sure. But I thought, you know, so it's like, okay, cool. We did this last little bit with, you know, with uh with Gary Holt and uh, um uh Boss on drums, correct? Paul, I think Bostaff. Paul Bostaff. Yep. yep. Yeah. And uh, um and everyone's fucking talking on on social media. Oh Lombardo's got to come back in. I've listened to like at least three or four interviews with Dan Lombardo on a few different podcasts, and he has no fucking interest in in fucking with Slayer anymore. Um, it's pretty obvious. But it, but he's also said, well, under the right circumstances, you know, we'll just have to see. But I think that I hate to say it Slayer was a complete like turning point for me musically when I was a kid. I mean they, were, they I'd already kind of gatewayed into thrash but they they fucking opened up a whole Pandora's box of shit for me. Sadly enough at my age I don't give a shit. I'm not going to lie. I mean I I've, I've seen I saw Slayer on the Clash of the Titans tour in 1990 91. I saw them on God Hates Us All Tour in fucking 2001. My wife's like, maybe we should go see this last time around. She's never seen them, so she wants to see them, you know, and like, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. I said, I've seen them at th- like three different phases. I missed the first phase pre, uh, preseasons in the abyss. You know what I'm saying? But like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to kind of bookend, you know, my Slayer fandom by going and see them. In, you know, they're playing in Charlotte in, uh, um, June 14th. Right. And, uh, I personally think that this, that this tour, if it is a farewell tour, it's going to be an awesome changing of the guard, handing, handing down the torch to, uh, to Behemoth and Lamb of God. You know, um, Behemoth has, has gained a lot of mainstream, if you can call it that, notoriety recently. And they're seen as a possible candidate for like the next big four for a lot of people. I mean, they're, but, but, but here's the thing. A lot of people can't really name a Behemoth song you know, you know, they're one of those bands, you know, I, I, I'm i not a huge fanatic, but I love a lot of black metal, but they're, I Demigod was a good album, The Satanist was a good album, a little bit too epic for me, I like kind of like gnarlier stuff, but either way, it doesn't really matter, like Lamb of God, obviously, they're a huge player in American, American heavy metal, you know, death metal, thrash, whatever you want to call them, and I really kind of think that this is almost kind of like Slayer, Anthrax, and Testament, passing the torch to bands like Behemoth and uh, um, you know, and fucking Lamb of God on this tour. Cause that's, that's the lineup that's coming through here anyways. And it's just one of those deals where it's like, people have said Metallica, they were able to change at the times, they did their thing, they went through phases. Slayer never really did that, unless you want to argue about Diabolus and Musicas and some of the later stuff that people argue, arguably say is very new metal influence. Yeah. But they, they never turned the corner the way Metallica did. They can kind of like, if they quit right now, it'd be fucking perfect, you know? I mean, they've done all there is to do as a, a death-slash-thrash metal band can do in 30-plus years. Sure. And, uh, um, I, I mean, I think it's, it's wise, personally, to do an actual legit farewell. Um, but at the same time, Kerry King is so fucking prolific, man, and he's, he's a monster. I mean, the last interview I re- I listened to with him after the last album came out, he goes, man, I've got like 35 fucking songs ready to go, you know, for the next album, the pick and choose. So he's going to keep going in some capacity. So I don't,
0: I, I kind of, I, I always kind of wonder about, about Carrie. The, now that, now that Jeff has been gone for, when did Jeff pass away? I think it was 2000, 90th, 2013. Does that sound right?
1: Uh, it, I think it was, 14 actually, 14, okay. 15. It's, it's yeah.
0: somewhere 13, 14, somewhere in that vicinity. But I always wonder about the dynamic between the two of them, how well they get along as far as uh, the interpersonal relationships of the band. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, you know, granted, we're, we're aggressive music fans, obviously, but we're also, once you, you know, when you pay that much attention to a band, it's no different than sports teams or whatever, whatever the case is. That you get interested in the people that that, mm-hmm. that are in the band, and I wonder, I I wonder how well the two of them are getting along.
1: You're talking you know,
0: about uh... Tom Tom and Carrie.
1: Tom and Carrie, okay. Now
0: that now that Jeff isn't there, and uh, I always I always kind of I run into whenever I listen to interviews with those guys that. I always kind of wonder: Is is Kerry one on one? Is he a likable person? Is he easy to get along with? Does he does he affect, you know, inner the inner workings of the band just with his personality, that sort of thing? But to, to me, Tom has appeared not happy for mm-hmm. probably since when he had that back surgery because he had all those really super gnarly back problems and. He 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 literally cannot headbang anymore, or he risks something really bad happening to him. Yeah, physically.
1: like discs popping or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, So I I kind of wondered about that to where he's not bitty bopping around the stage like he used to. I mean they ne- they never ran and they weren't doing tabletops and splits off of drum risers or anything, but but they made tracks. You know that you could visibly tell that they're into what they're doing, that sort of thing. But Tom hasn't looked like to me that he's been enjoying it for, I mean, at least the last four or five years. So yeah, and, well, and I mean, re- re- realistically, too, we're looking at we're we're now at the point where a lot of those first and second generation heavy music bands we're looking at the end of their lifetime. As far as a band goes, yeah, because because realistically, how how long into into your fifties and sixties can someone play Angel of Death on drums?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. unless I unless unless they, want, they, want, they want, want to go, go, go through like, like you, know, you know constant like, like you know drummer like, change because there, there's like there's some thrash bands you know that have been kind of just lingering around that people just you know bands like you know like like Hyrax, Death Angel um you know forbidden these bands i mean fucking great bands i love all those bands but they do a lot of these sort of like unspoken lineup changes you know what i mean like oh on this tour we got so and so on drums but on their album they're gonna list like their their lifelong drummer that's always been on there who played on the album but that guy can't hang uh you know on the road which is understandable but like slayer is like they're so under the microscope in so many fucking ways i mean every you know they know about You know Hanneman's problems, pre, you know pre-dying. They know about you know Carrie King's fucking snake farming. You know they know about Tomariah being a born again Christian. You know they know about fucking you know staff and, you know the Lombardo and this and that. You know and so they're so under the radar that they they really can't be a legacy act that kind of just switches people out here and there.
2: Sure. So I I, I agree. I, I,
1: they don't really have it in them to really stick around long. And and honestly, man, like the big one. Their style of music is very, very youth-based. I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, I mean, it's just like it's, it's that. It's kind of like when I see an old hardcore band, go up and like they do a reunion. Like, oh, you know, okay, these guys aren't straight edge anymore, but they know these songs and they're doing them or whatever the fuck. And and then they, they play this festival and it was so successful that like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna tour, and they're like, okay, cool, that was awesome. They did this little sh- short tour, and then f- fucking like five years later, you're like they're still fucking doing it, man. You know, like you know what. You know, they put out one album like Gorilla Biscuits. They put out one fucking album and they're still touring, you know, because they, they did really really good. You know, it just I mean that you know it's just kind of like how how long even fucking Chromatics. I love the fucking Chromex, but like the tour that they're that they're doing right now, the John Joseph front of Chromex, they only do Age of Coral, right? Slayer has a lot of fucking albums and and from past tours. Their setlist picks almost every fucking thing. They do uh, Diabolos. Yeah,
0: I yeah, I was, I was talking about that with somebody the other day. That uh, Slayer and Judas Priest are both really good about that. That Shit, they'll yeah. they'll work something in. I think I don't know. I had I could have sworn I saw something posted online about the the most played Slayer song was Chemical Warfare. Damn. That they have, played, <laughs> that they have played in almost virtually every every show they've ever done,
1: since 1983, 82. I guess. Yeah. with
0: Chemical Warfare is it on Hell awaits?
1: Haunting the Chapel
0: is it Haunting the Chapel?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, right on. I don't. I, I stick pretty closely to the Trinity Brain and Blood. Yeah, South. I North do North North too. Yeah. Seasons in the Abyss, but I, it yeah, they're good about them and Judas Priest. To to me, in my opinion, they're really good about well, we're we're gonna fucking rotate out the set list. We're gonna do something new, which to me keeps the band viable, and I would imagine it probably keeps it exciting for them just as players that you're Mm -hmm. not constantly trudging through the same fucking songs, same fucking riffs every. Kiss. (laughs) Kiss.
1: Yes. Same set list (laughs) since fucking 2006.
0: Right. Yeah. And it gets I. And that that could be that could be kind of part of a an overarching sort of thing because, like I was saying about Tom, I feel like Tom wants to quit. He's he wants, he's, he's got he's got kids, he's got a wife and family, that sort of thing. And I think Carrie wants to keep going. And it's interesting. I I don't think Carrie King has children. I don't I don't think he does. And I. I, I know he's married. Anything.
1: I mean, I know he's married. Yeah, I know. I, know kinda... I see.
0: Yeah, I check, when I check the musical life on Instagram, every now and then I'll look at his girlfriend or his wife's, whatever. I think she's she's into dogs. She's a dog person.
1: Yeah, they do like they do pit bulls <laughs> and snakes. Okay, there you go. Yeah,
0: perfect, perfect. But the sometimes you can spot the the tolerance for the grind of a band. Sometimes the biggest difference can be whether or not the musician has a fam. And True. yeah, if Carrie doesn't have kids, you know what I mean. He could be he could be living his life for the band. You know what I mean?
1: So. Well, I mean, yeah. Even though I mean, Lemmy, he's got an illegitimate son. You know what I mean, like or whatever. He didn't he didn't he didn't grow he didn't he, he didn't raise his kid. You know, but he was a fucking lifer. He found out about his son like fucking forever after he'd been on the road. Yeah. But regardless, by the time he knew he had his son, his son was already fucking like 25, 30 years old. You know, and so. But yeah, there's those dudes, like like you said, that they marry someone that goes, look, you know, I understand this is what you do. So we're not going to worry about kids. I'm going to fucking just chill at home while you're on tour. I'm going to come with you. So yeah, there there are those type of things. And I think Carrie Key might be in that kind of situation, you know, unlike Tom, who's got like, what, four kids and, you know, whatever.
0: I know he's got, I think it's, I know he has two. I, okay. I've seen, I saw a picture, I don't know where it came from, but I saw a picture of him. And it looked like his kids and his wife in like geese for some sort of martial arts.
1: They probably <laughs> like, do jujitsu, like yeah, yeah. Helping. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know
0: what I don't know what it was, but it was it was just like ah, it's funny, you know, the guy from Slayer probably <laughs> probably does karate or something, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. but I think it, you know, I'm kind of, I was. At first, you're like, oh, you're bummed because one of your favorite bands is going away. But realistically, is there another album in them? Can they continue to be able to play at the level that they're playing at and perform at the level that they're performing at? You know, Paul Bostoff, I know Paul Bostoff's in his 50s now. Mm-hmm. And and everybody, hold, as far as drummers go, everybody holds holds drummers to the measuring stick of Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones because... Rolling Stones, Jesus, they they're going on fifty years, I think, whatever whatever it is. But yeah. Charlie Watts isn't playing Silent Scream and Angel of Death and Epid- oh, yeah, and and postmortem every night, that sort of thing. So realistically, how much longer could a Dave Lombardo or Paul Bostoff continue to like punish their body?
1: Like the Well I mean Jason Bittner is in fucking Megadeth now. You know, from Shadows Fall. Is he? I think so. I thought he was. I, see, I no, think. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. Fucking uh, uh, Johnny Rock and Roll from Shadows Fall. Uh, Johnny Fucking Johnny, Laryngitis. Johnny, or whatever his name is. Johnny. Yeah. Dye, he's an now. okay. He's an anthrop- okay. But I want to say, fuck Bittner, man.
0: I think I think Bittner had filled in for Charlie Benante when he had some. Yeah, some
1: he, issues. He, he did do that. However, he also. Is in some mega mega band. He fucking joined some motherfucking band. Like, I'm
0: gonna look. Yeah, please
1: do. I I want. I want want to say he. Why the fuck am I thinking Megadeth? But uh, um, Jason Bittner fucking joined. He's like a static member in some big ass band now.
0: Uh, here we go. On December 19th, uh, 2014, it was announced that Bittner had joined Flotsam and Jetsam.
1: Oh shit. That's pretty fucking. Uh,
0: and then, May of 2017, Bittner officially joined Overkill.
1: Oh, that's what it is. Is that what okay. it is? Okay. Yep. So, Megadeth.
0: I Matt, I know Megadeth's drummer is that younger guy. Um, he. Roderick. Uh, no, that was the guitar player. I think he oh. he, he tacked for him for a little while. Uh, Dirk something. It's a V name. I don't know his last name. What is it? Okay. Oh, there it is
1: uh Dirk Verbeeren. Okay Dirk Van Van Buren I don't know it.
0: Mm.
1: Well I am actually stoked now that that Bitner's playing for one of my favorite fucking thrash bands of all time I fucking are no, love are you are you, are you
0: are you an
1: Overkill guy? I love Overkill man. I fucking dude, their bass tone fucking the most annoying Shitty but amazing, awesome, grows on you like fucking I don't know what. Um, they're fucking first thing I, when, I, when I saw the video for elimination, I'm just like, this is my fucking band because, <laughs> dude, because. The, 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 Cause he, cause like to me, our friends, me and my friends joke that fucking uh, Bobby Blitz was the fucking thrash Axl Rose, you know what I mean? Like his, his high high pitched kind of fucking, you know, he or he sounded like the Crypt Keeper, you know. But uh um, but no, that's awesome because I mean, dude, it's same case. I mean, the, the guy that's been playing for years, uh, they had Rat Skates was the drummer for um Overkill for years and years, and then I can't remember the guy after that, just escapes me. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Overkill doing their shit since like the early '80s. That guy can't fucking, you know, consistently do it. So, of course, they're going to go through some drummers, you know? Their music's like a cross between fucking, like, Anthrax and Motorhead, like the beats, you know?
0: You know, it's it's funny. I was having uh, a conversation with uh, Big Jake from the Music to Light Blood podcast the other day. We were talking about Judas Priest, and he asked about Scott Travis, Priest. Yeah. And Scott came in the band for, I think he started on Painkiller. And Scott Scott is not like considerably not decades younger than the rest of the guys in the band, but he is he is considerably younger than them. And I think they they almost kind of extended the life of the band. Mm-hmm. I it might have been a happy accident. I don't know what the case is, but Scott is he's, he plays great. His his skills are not diminishing, which. We've seen with there's there's a great example of a bigger band where skills have diminished drummer-wise. You know, I think we can all it's, you know, we don't want to say it, but you know what I mean. Lars is not playing the way that he used
1: to. Dude, I I listen to uh, Death just, Magnetic which sucks and
0: so fucking bad. It's Lars, like, yeah, yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because when you li- when you when you watch that uh, the the show from Seattle in early late 80s I think it was for the Unjustice for all tour it's in that live live yep. ship binge and purge box set. oh yeah
1: when, I you watch that, about.
0: when you watch that show Lars is he's amazing he's absolutely amazing you listen to him play battery or I think they played disposable heroes on that tour or or even see or creeping death or something like that the middle section of creeping death he's just kind of having fun. With his toms and stuff, and his skills, he, he was real fucking good at that point. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think I think the the yard we all measure the big four drummers by the Dave Lombardo <laughs> measure yeah. stick. You know what I mean? So what, what I don't want to have happen with Slayer is is what has happened with Kiss that that their skills have degraded. Or their ability to 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 live up to their own legacy from a performance standpoint starts, yeah. starts to suffer because there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Paul Stanley's voice is, he, he crucified his his voice.
1: That's why he's doing soul music now because he can hit that lower register. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, his range has moved down. and I, I don't want to see that happen with a dude like Kerry King or Tom Mariah. You know what I mean Tomurai is fucking back is killing him he wants to be spending time with his kids. I feel like you should do that just do that because oh yeah it's it's, it's better for them as an individual anyway. it always
1: it always seems like a guy like that if he if he hangs it up is because he fucking got like got cancer or something tragic happened you know what i mean and then like 10 years later they pull him out on the fucking like the the golden gods awards like hey making an appearance you know the, the guy comes out with a cane and the you know remember when you know like like before like before dio passed away when dio was on the golden gods and shit you know it was kind of like okay we knew that he had cancer and he was kind of fading away and then you know a year later that he died you know but it's like it's kind of one of those deals where it's like it's like shit tom's like fuck man yeah my back's fucked up i could literally I could keep going for another five years, but it's gonna suck bad. And yeah, people are gonna I, fucking notice. Yeah, I don't I
0: don't wanna I don't wanna see it happen. I'm such a fucking huge Slayer fan that it Yeah, I don't wanna see it happen. I don't, Here's I don't, a, I, the, and I mean we've seen KISS. You look at KISS and that's not necessarily the absolute worst case scenario, but it's still pretty fucking bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I mean, like, uh, all the the footage, I'd say about a year or so, maybe two years ago, they showed um, a concert from the uh, whatever, I'm not sure if it was the Monster Tour or whatever, but uh, on Access television. And it was like, I know that he wasn't playing, that Paul wasn't playing to like a, you know, like back vocals, to a track, singing over a track or whatever, but like Tommy was helping out a lot on, on some songs and he was doing a kind of like sing part of the shit and then fucking point at the crowd. Like, you know, sing sing part of a line, drop off and kind of sing, you know, do like the what, you know, and like, so it was kind of like, it wasn't as bad as fucking Vince Neil got towards the end, but it was fucking like, sort of like he was doing less. He was jumping around. Physical, he's in great physical shape. He was jumping around a lot, but it's just like, there was some stuff where I noticed that he was kind of like, you know, just not really push like sync, like projecting so, you know how like on um on like Animalized Live or even like the, the the lost um Alive Two concert, like those how fucking he's like, you know, doing the oh wow wow it's like extra all over the fucking place. You know, on this you know and that's kind of the Paul Stanley that I'm used to, like throwing in extra like, you know, um you know uh fucking vibrato and stuff like that right. when he talks yeah runs and yeah runs in and vibrato's and stuff like that even when he talks between songs like uh, a friend of mine saw him about a year ago in richmond and he said that like paul basically was just kind of like he reminded him of like a school teacher he was just kind of like all right this next song all right you ready to go home not ready to go home neither am i Da da da. but it wasn't like the like you know a long story and then like the Whoa! at the end of everything and it wasn't like extending lines he was singing enough enough of each line you know, and people that, like us that have seen them a billion times, you know, at least on fucking video, if not live in person, we notice these differences, you know, and I know people that have followed Slayer like the Grateful Dead, you know what I mean, and, you know, just stuff like that, and, and you just kind of notice, not that, not that every time they play it should be the exact same, but you notice, okay, they're not, they're not doing this anymore, why? Or you know, or he stopped saying this in between the song, or now so and so is talking instead of him. Stuff like that is what you're going to notice after a while. If Slayer keeps it. Well, up.
0: i, I mean, ultimately, I think, uh, I, I think ultimately the discussion starts to go down the road of, are they passionate about what they're doing still?
2: Mm, yeah.
0: You, know, you, you, you kind of wind up with that. I think if you look at it from all different angles, that sort of thing. And man, I you know, I get that they probably have houses to pay for, cars and you know any any number of things, college college tuition for kids and stuff like that. But yeah. When it's it's really easy to tell when somebody in a band doesn't want to do it anymore. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs>
1: been there. I've been that guy.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and it's it's, it's kind funny of knock, kind of knock on wood, too, you know what I mean, because we got a lot of a lot of our favorite bands are getting older. So, you, you hate is, to see that happen, you know.
1: That's, That's a really good, a good point, point, dude. That, I mean, for real. Even yeah, like fans that, like, when we were, you know, in high school, they were like in their late thirties. You know what I mean? And they're still like shit. And then, and then, I was talking to uh, somebody about like we were, we were watching the um, the the VH1 Metal Show where they show like Warrant and then Death and then you know and then Australian. Fraley and. And then Morbid ankle, Dude, literally, like on fucking v, uh, v, or MTV Classic, they have like Metal Mayhem or whatever. And okay. they'll literally show Down Boys. Then they'll show fucking like a, like, like a, like a death video, like the band Death. And like, then a Hello, Like he- Chuck, like Chuck Shoulder, Chuck Shoulder, yeah. Like fucking uh, individual thought patterns video. You know, and then, okay. you know, but anyway, but I was just talking to like a guy I work with and it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, this, this, and this. And I'm like, did you fucking realize that a lot of these bands, when they got signed like in the late 80s, early 90s, that they were like- in between the ages of like oh 17 God. and 25. Yeah. A lot of well, these are like 18 19 years old.
0: Fucking Lemmy. Lemmy was in his early 30s when he started Motörhead.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: That's uh, I don't think people I don't think people that doesn't click with them mm-hmm. sometimes or like the Scorpions. When Scorpions oh. Scorpions were well into their 30s approaching 40s when they when they wrote Wind of Change. When that went super dope.
1: Shit, dude. Even well, even when uh, even when they had their big breakout hit with "Rocky Like a Hurricane," they had already been through, through yeah three lead guitar players, and they've been around for about fifteen years. Yes. They started they started in the early sixties. The Scorpions did.
0: Mid, well, I'd say mid-60s.
1: Well, okay. They, okay. they, they had a, like three quarters of the band. Uh, they had another band called Spiders or something. No, no, no that was Al that was Cooper. Yeah, I think Rudolph. Rudolph's but, been there the
0: longest, I think. Yeah,
1: there was like a pre-Scorpions band that had like three of the dudes beforehand that became the Scorpions. But it, yeah, it was mid-60s. You know, and you had Yuli John Roth and all those guys. And I mean, great fucking story. It's one of those deals where I'm, I'm the classic dude that's like, I fucking, I'm a big fan of the 70s Scorpions you know, more so than anything, up until probably, like, uh, fucking, what's the one with the forks on the eyes? Uh, black, Blackout? Yeah, that's where I stopped with the Scorpions. I love Blackout oh, and everything. dude. I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. There's just, like, the dual guitar attack after a while, just it just got so Warren D. Martini watered down to me. It was yeah, just kind of I mean, like.
0: They t- I, I mean, Uli John Roth is fucking, he's amazing. He's, he's absolutely amazing. I fucking love Uli John Roth. And I think uh, um, Shanker's brother, Michael. It, mm-hmm. Michael was awesome as hell. He was amazing. But Matthias, Ma, is it Matthias or Matthias?
1: It's actually, I heard it's Matthias, Matthias. pronounced without an H. Yeah. There's two Mat- Mat- Matt. Matthias Yobbs, yeah. actually, or something. Is, yeah, it, a, a, is
0: it a soft J?
1: I think so, yeah. yeah I, 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 like,
0: I, I think Jabs sounds cool.
1: It sounds sexy. It's like a por- yeah. it's a German porn name. Matthias yeah, Jabs.
0: So I'm gonna say Matthias Jabs. I don't, but anyway, <laughs> but to me they took to me they took a quantum leap when he came into the band. And yeah. Absolutely. I think he came in in '79, which was it was a blackout. Was it his first album or was it the one pre- previous to that?
1: Um, what was it? Animal Magnetism before that so, one, or what's the album before that? I think. Um, it was-
0: animal magnetism
1: yeah i think that's i think he started on animal magnetism i think.
0: i'm going to look it up
1: you're more of the scorpse guy than i am so i'll trust you on this one uh,
0: but like look, so uh, taken by force 77 love drive 79 animal magnetism 80 and mm-hmm. blackout 82 and i think they might have had uh, matthias he might have played a couple solos on love drive don't don't quote me on that because I knew they were looking for somebody for for a minute. Um, but Yeah, I think it's animal magnetism.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and what what it is, I honestly think that like they started off strong in that era because the new wave of British heavy metal was so fucking powerful and they're like we need dudes that can fucking do what the guys from Saxon are doing or the guys from fucking Maiden are doing. You know what I mean? And like okay. honestly I mean,
0: that the, the, the new wave of British heavy metal propelled a lot of Europe as well. It, yeah. It got people, like, uh, uh, I interviewed Mike from Witchcross a couple years ago, and, you know, bands like Witchcross or Accept or The Scorpions or, I, I don't know, you could probably even throw, like, some of the other german like the later german stuff like i don't know fucking what are what's their name um,
1: halloween gamma ray uh, um
0: creator um create creator got them oh yeah fuck yeah okay. got the ball rolling a little later than those bands but i feel like that that all that success of a lot of those european bands was some of it was just on the steam of what was coming out of the uk around that time so mm-hmm. I don't know. How did we go from Slayer to the
1: Scorpions? Well, I, well, incidentally, I mean, Kerry King is a big, you know, I, I think he's a big, big Scorpions priest fan. So we kind of segued into that shit. But, but I mean, that, that's also another example of, of a band that people can arguably say um, overstayed their welcome or held on because of the money, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, like the, the, the Scorpions are uh, one of those bands that Slayer could be but I think that their musical style limits them from being that way, because when Scorpions took jump, you know, they jumped. I don't think they really jumped genres. I think that what they did was they found their niche in certain eras. You know what I'm saying? Well, More they're
0: th- they they're one of those. That I, I talk about this I talk about this with Big Jake from the Musical the Lightblood podcast a lot. That there was a handful of '70s bands that were able to make the transition to the '80s because they embraced what was happening with MTV mm-hmm. so kiss kind of skirted by the scorpions heart uh, Judas priest you know there there's there's a there's a small po- pool of bands that were able to make the transition I think the scorpions were one of them because r- realistically what are we talking rocky like a hurricane is that 82 or 83
1: uh, you know what i really i think it was 82 because that was like fresh fresh early mtv like i remember being like you know when i discussed the the, the first the summer that mtv landed I, m- I remember watching it when i was a little little kid like six years old and seeing the video for rocky like a hurricane you know so it's probably 82 81 82. you okay. know
0: yeah i want to see when the album came out so dun, dun, dun. Love
1: at First seeing. So it was the '84. Okay. Wow. Fucking for real.
0: Yeah. Jesus love
1: first Christ. Thing. Yeah. I mean, revisionist history. I mean, I went, I went and visited my grandma in Texas a lot, and always watched MTV all summer. So yeah, it could have blurred together. But it's watching that video now. It looks so fucking primitive. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just, that's
0: that. Yeah, that's why I was getting ready to say that that you watch that video. You stand it right beside Death Leopard's uh, Rock of Ages. Or, or the photograph video, or docking into the fire, and that video looks like it's been cut from the same cloth as those, at the time, those younger bands, which is interesting because it probably, it probably just propelled them to breathe the life back into the band, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get to the early 90s, we're talking winds of change, and they have this whole third wind to their yeah. career. A lot of a lot of those bands weren't able to do that. By the time we got to the early and mid nineties, you know, Heart had, you know, Heart had a little something with that. What was that all these I dreams? To, all, all I want to do is make love to you. Is that the?
1: Oh yeah, uh, bad uh, bad animals. I think was the name of that album. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. that was that was the one where they, they fucking teased their hair and wore trench coats. You know, kind of kind of looked they kind of looked like the the evil version of Asylum Kiss. You know, <laughs> look look at the back of that Bad Animals record, dude. It's fucking hilarious. You I, will you will you'll think of Asylum when you see that I shit. Hey, amazing. I
0: think they're an awesome band. Oh, yeah. dude,
1: you you can't fuck with magazine, magazine. Such a great fucking album. I think that's what it's called. But uh, I mean, yeah, dude. It's if you take a, if you take away not to get on a heart tangent, but if you take away the songs that you've heard a billion times over on rock radio or classic rock radio, and take them for what they are. I mean, two, uh, phenomenal fucking you know front woman vocals, really really good guitar interplay between um, uh, uh, Nancy, I think the the guitar player sister uh, whatever, and uh, and the the guy that was playing guitar that like, apparently was Nancy's boyfriend or whatever. Um, there was just like there was really it's to me it's really good proto metal. You know what I mean? Like it's it's got some elements of like. <laughs> They they have a lot of fucking influences of of like uh, Zeppelin and and like rock and roll era um, priest. I mean that's just stuff that I've seen like with like the guitar tones and some of the yeah. some of the stuff where like the drummer really trying to sh- you can tell the drummer and uh, um and the and the male guitar player uh they really were kind of they were sort of paying attention to what was going on with uh, with hard rock. You know yeah it felt yeah.
0: yeah it felt um, competitive with what was happening. On a mm-hmm. grander scale, at the time, yeah. I th- when I think of hard, I just think of a uh, a bit more up tempo version of Led Zeppelin.
1: Yeah, I can see. Yeah,
0: Led Zeppelin didn't stuck pretty close to mid tempo. Yeah, ex- I mean, you get like a song like Rock and Roll. It's an up tempo one, but they stayed pretty, you know, in that where John Bonham was. They knew what John was good at, and they just let mm-hmm. him do it. So. From a tempo standpoint they kind of stayed you know in their their lane so to speak but well i mean uh,
1: the, the the heart behind the music when uh, they're talking about it was like the thing that kept them—I think one of the things that the, uh, Nancy said was—the thing that really kept them from competing with other hard rock bands within the very male centric fucking scene was the fact that the record label was trying to put so much emphasis on these two hot chick sisters yeah. and kind of give it like almost a pop vibe when they weren't really going for that. They were—they were into Zeppelin. They were into fucking early Fleetwood Mac. They were into the Doors. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And I, I, they I, wanted I, to be a rock band.
0: I think it's well. I think it's the it's the ultimate folly of. When pretty girls play, uh, play rock music or heavy music, whatever you want to call it, that oh, a yeah. lot, lot of the time it's hard for the the music industry the actual the business, like the the apparatus that that keeps the industry going, to not fixate on uh, I guess over sexualization of, mm-hmm. of women playing music. You know, it's that's one thing. It's like the it's, to me. That's one of the most amazing things. Like, there's two. There's two women that I always think of in that sense. That Joan Jett mm-hmm. and then Brody Doll. I think is it is a doll or Dolly?
1: It could be Dolly. I mean, it, it actually became Homie after a while because she she yeah, married Josh Harmy.
0: Yeah, she's married. Yeah. Brody, Brody from the Distillers and yeah, Joan Jett. Yeah, They have um, from a. Just from a listener's standpoint, I think Brody, Brody does it a little more uh, seamlessly than what Joan Jett does, but there is a there is a pronounced element of what what you and I would understand as very stereotypical feminine traits.
1: Oh sure, uh, the nas the nasally vocals with like well, the no, rubber. at even, the end. Not, <laughs> not, even,
0: not even like not even like technique, but I'm talking like okay. some A. From like a cross time standpoint, the way that we understand femininity, um, of vulnerability, okay, um, to a a an approachability, that sort of thing, but but you can mix that with a kind of a, a, a harder exterior. You know when you yeah. watch when you watch the video for the Distillers, um, what was the single off of Coral Thing? Um, oh God, I
1: was just listening to that. I mean, drain the blood.
0: Drain the yep. blood. Um, that was the the, the video. Kind of went boom. Um, when you watch that video, Brody is Bro, Brody is. She's one of those girls where like all the punk rock and metal dudes are like, yeah, she's fucking amazing. She's absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. There's a there's something that the the masculine side of the equation could be drawn to, but at the same time, there's a barrier there that. D- for lack of for lack of a better way of saying it, don't fuck with me. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. there's a hard exterior that surrounds a a kind of really stereotypical feminine vulnerability, and I think Brody does that so so fucking amazingly. Which, like I, I compared her to Joan uh, to Joan Jeb because uh, a lot of the time you're gonna have people say, oh she's fucking hot, but then immediately. It, you move, it, get, it moves away from that. The discussion moves away from that, and all of a sudden, you start talking about Joan Jett's, uh, her influence on, you know, 40, 30, 40 years of, of, of quote-unquote, heavy uh, rock and roll, heavy music, whatever you want to call it, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you can move past that. You can move past focusing on over-sexualizing the, the, the artist, and I think, to me, they just... How that, how, that, how that is, how there's, a, there's a, a line to be drawn between that and Hart is that, you know, I've heard Anne interviewed on several occasions, and she's been pretty open about it. was frustrating for her because she was putting on weight. She was getting heavier, and they were, cha- they were changing the way they were shooting the videos to, to focus on Nancy. Yeah. Uh, if they were showing Anne, they were showing headshots of her. You know, especially yeah. during that These Dreams and mm-hmm. uh, What About Love era of the band that if, if for whatever reason Heart heart, they didn't get the privilege of of what, they didn't get to experience what Joan Jett or an artist like Roddy Dahl has, has, has experienced. I don't, I don't know no, why. I, because no, I think, I, they're, I think I, I mean... they're competent songwriters, they're competent mm-hmm. players, they're Anne Anne is hands down one of the greatest rock singers that has ever walked the, the planet. You put, yeah. you put her in you can put her in the ballpark with dudes like Ian Asbury from the Cult, Axel Rose, Appetite for Destruction era, uh, 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 Bon Scott. You, you know she's. Hands down, one of the greatest voices I've ever heard in hard rock music ever. But yeah. we inevitably start talking about, oh, remember when she put on all that weight? Like, I, I to me, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it.
1: Well, uh, the, the the thing the thing of it is, like, just just from a little bit that I know about, like the, I guess, like the. Uh, uh, the story of of heart and kind of when they blew up and stuff they were pushed as like you know a, you know, a girl band you know even though it, so many of their album covers and so many of their freaking promo shots was just those two the rest of the guys in the band weren't, weren't featured yada yada so they were kind of part of the machine you know and like joan jett she was part of the machine and then she fucking took over you know when she did the runaways they were very much like uh kim fowley's pawns and then and then she broke out you know she she produced uh kim, um it, know, the it, journey is it kim you know. fowley or cat fowley it's kim yeah it you, had, you, had, you had king fowley who, who sings for deceased and you had fucking, um kim kim fowley who is the the um the la fucking producer mogul the, dude that yeah. that yeah okay so right, anyway. but i mean but anyway yeah i mean she, she was part of like, like the machine like she was in a you know a girl "Quote unquote bubblegum 70s rock band that was too hard edged to be bubblegum, and they did their thing, and she broke out. You know, her and Lita Ford broke out, yada. But I mean, the thing about it is, like, Heart was so much a product of the fucking machine. But while they were in that machine, they were trying to have their identity musically. You yeah, know, that's true. That's and the point. thing, yeah, and and with with the uh, with with people like like Brody and Joan Jett, like the thing that really helped out Brody was the fact that she comes from punk rock. Her big influences were girls like Joan Jay, even people like Susie Quattro, who were part of the machine, but, but were, were fucking like unsung punk pioneers with the way that they did shit. I mean, she she fucking was, you know, she fronted a band on bass in a fucking like leather suit and wrote songs about grabbing boys by the fucking shirt and kissing them, you know, and when she's 15, you know what I mean? Just really kind of an early girl power kind of deal. And, uh, um,. And Hart never really had that. They were kind of like, look, we we want to fucking be, I want, like, uh, Ann Wilson wanted to be fucking Jimmy Page. She didn't give a shit if Jimmy Page was a guy or girl. She fucking wanted, or I'm sorry, Robert Plant. She wanted to fucking be Robert Plant. You know what I mean? And like, that's what they're doing. But the thing about it is, it's just, I think they're just a product of their era and like circumstances, you know, with because I heard they had a horrible fucking record deal. They were locked into some shit they couldn't get out of. Yeah. and. You know, when the Bad Animals came out, then they got, you know, you had Vixen and um, and Lita Ford, you know, and, and and these people kind of like in that era were like, shit, what do we do with them? You got half the band looks like the dudes that are big now, fucking Warrant and Poison and White Lion and shit, and the other half are these fucking badass chicks. What the fuck do we do? Okay, let's put one on a horse with their fucking tits bouncing, the cleavage showing, and we'll have the other one wear a trench coat and sing Real Pretty.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Now> <laughs> Is that you know.
0: the the there? Yeah, she's riding that horse. It's either the What about love or these dreams. I think it's the yeah. Love video, right? yeah. Yeah. Like, there's like water and there's a horse and just but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I also well, no, I mean too two. I mean you make it you make a really really good point. Joan Jett had Blackout, black out Blackheart Records too.
1: Yeah. She had, at, like, in like, 1981 like yeah, 1980, she 1981. To, she put
0: together her own label because I I think she probably just couldn't find anybody to put the record out so. She said, "Fuck mm. it, we'll do it on our own." So there's, yep. I don't know, there's probably a almost establishing a continuity of I'm not I'm not gonna play oh. with, with I'm not gonna fool with bullshit.
1: Yeah. Um, now here's a here's kind of like a, uh, a callback. Okay, so with Slayer, right? Slayer comes up. They're on um, Metal Blade Megaforce, right? When they when they start out, right? Metal Blade. Yeah. yeah. Metal Blade. Okay, and so they were kind of like. Under uh, under Slagle's thumb for the longest time. Not that Brian Slagle was a fucking tyrant, you know what I mean. He he pushed his bands. He really supported his bands well, and his they, shit. They they
0: uh, I have that the the first national appearance of Slayer. I have the 12 inch. It's a Metal Massacre. Um, yeah. So it's 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 Metal Blade, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I what was what was Hell Awaits? Was it on Metal Blade or was it on uh, Def
1: Jam. It was on. It was on uh, Metal Blade. I remember looking at the back of the cassette and seeing like the Metal Blade, like with the the you know the the razor blade and shit. Um, it might have been re reissued on Def Jam, but the first Dem- Def Jam uh, Slayer release was Rain and Blood. Was it? I believe so. Yeah.
0: Okay. I feel like I should know this. So show no mercy, obviously, then Hellawaits, then Rain and Blood. So. Show No Mercy.
1: Haunting the on, Chapel. Is
0: on Metal Blade. Yeah. And then Hell Awaits. Metal Blade. Okay, cool. So
1: was Haunting the Haunting Chapel, Chapel before Show No Mercy? I can yeah. never remember that.
0: What, Haunting the Chapel? Yeah. Um, I
1: don't know.
0: I thought Haunting the Chapel was, I want to say, '84. Mm hmm. So show number, I know show numbers. He's eighty three, and oh, I believe Hellaways is eighty five. So I think it was the thing they did in between.
1: So Slater, I mean, they were they were very much like a big part of Metal Blade oh roster, God. and then they were like a very very big part of the Def Jam roster.
2: Yeah.
1: And then I mean, are they are they on just straight Atlantic now, or is Atlantic even a label anymore? I mean, uh, yeah,
0: I don't I don't know what Repentless came out on. Um,
1: well, because because the thing about it is when you when you look at a band like Slayer that has such a a, a long career. Oh, it's a,
0: it's Nuclear Blast. We're oh shit! Out on Nuclear Blast. Yeah, okay. so I, I remember them announcing that, and making a big deal
1: about it. Hmm. That's a good. That's a good fucking. Uh, you know, what do you want to call it? A good catch for Nuclear Blast. Shit. You know. Yeah. i mean, one of the biggest bands ever. I mean, so it's just it's just when you look at that, you you, you find. I mean. It's their fan, their rabid okay. fan, fan base. I mean, my my one of my most memorable experiences with Slayer was seeing them um, Clash the Titans tour in nineteen ninety one or whatever was with it uh
0: Allison Chains played right. Yeah, Alice
1: Allison Chains opened, um, and it was supposed to be Danzig. I was bummed because pre internet, you don't. I mean, you hear rumors and shit, right? And I don't, you know, and uh, it was we heard the longest for the longest time. It was either going to be fucking, it was either going to be Danzig. Or it's going to be Death Angel. It was dumb rumors we were hearing, right? And we were we were stoked about that. So we get there, and Alice in Chains is playing. I dug them. I mean, it's a, you know, a heavy band. You know what I mean? Like cool. They they put on a good show, but it wasn't thrash, whatever. So they played, but uh um Slayer when they they uh they played last. And I remember like uh the first song, um they, they did they did a uh, um uh fucking they did Hello Eight. They want I wanted they opened up with Hello Eight. And the first, like, probably 25 seconds of the song, it was pitch black. And the fucking pit was going fucking nuts. And I was on the edge of the pit. Lights come on. First thing I see is this, this kid running towards me with his face bleeding. And I, turn, you know, I step to the side, I'm like, holy shit. And then I'm thinking, okay, wow, okay. And then I see another fucking kid with his fucking face bleeding. And then this other kid fucking rip his shirt off. And then about two minutes later... Um, I look over, and, like, uh, in the crowd, there was, like, lights. Like, someone, like, turned on a spotlight in the crowd way over to the side. And the reason why there the spotlight was spotlights on is because they had fucking paramedics setting up stretchers and shit. And they were pulling – and I thought maybe there were people that got exhausted and went over the barricade. There people that were getting fucked up in the pit like no other. Yeah. It was the most fucking – I mean, this is, like, you know – I mean, i I'd been to, like, you know, some sort of, like, small club, you know, punk shows, and, I you know – I'd seen Bad Brains, and I'd seen, like, you know, whatever, but uh, this was just kind of like, wow. I mean, there's, there's a reason, you know, why people are scared. There's was a time when people were scared to go see Slayer, you know, and I figured it was just a club thing, but this was a fucking a big-ass arena, and that kind of violence was just fucking, and I was sold from that point. I'm like, fuck, this is, this is what, what, I mean, if, if people are going to be driven to this this point of fucking just frenzy and violence, this is my fucking band, <laughs> you know? And I, I was never really a part of that frenzy and violence. Cause I didn't want to fucking, you know, get, get fucked up. But I mean, it was just like I, never, it was like,
0: I I, was never a pit guy, you know, which is funny. Cause I mean, the show that we're on, you know, but, and I'm, I'm six foot four to, you know, 280 pounds. You know, yeah. I, I can bench press my body weight. You know what I mean? And like, uh, <laughs> I just I don't know I don't want to do it. <laughs>
1: we're the we're the two guys having the conversations in the pit while the people circle around.
0: Right? Yeah. You guys, yeah. You guys calm down. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: all right, we're it, we're probably getting close to wrapping this up, huh? but before we go, this is I mean we talked about Slayer a bunch. Uh, uh, the Big Four. You know what I mean? I think it's probably worth at least sort of addressing. How, yes. does this, how does this affect that dynamic? Is it going to change anything? You know, and I have, you know, there's the big four Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, obviously, and then what I call the medium three mm-hmm. Overkill, Testament, and Exodus. Okay. And then the little two uh, Death Angel and Dark Angel.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because <coughs> the first time I heard you mention Dark Angel being uh, part of that, I was just like, you know, I was more of like a, uh, um, uh, shit, What's the fu- uh, fr- forbidden and violence and excel, like those East Bay thrash bands and stuff. Um, but the thing about it is Dark Angel, I got into Dark Angel like way after that. And uh, uh, fucking um, Hoagland's drumming, um, just everything, like listening to this shit like fucking about 15 years after I was really into it. Then I'm like, God damn, I, I missed the bus on fucking Dark Angel because just so much about them. And it was a really good com- combination of like um, l- later era Possessed, uh, mixed with Slayer, you know, fucking mixed with, with Venom. I mean, it's fucking great. So I would, I yeah, I completely concede to that, man. Fucking that's, that's a great fucking point. Um, as far as somebody coming up in the ranks, I think that what it's going to do is it's going to maybe slide... Um, Megadeth over in, into Slayer's spot, yeah. Anthrax in the Megadeth spot, and Testament in the fucking um, Anthrax's spot.
0: Yeah, I would, and that's kind of that's kind of what I was wondering. Does this buck the position of the bands at all? And I think I I te, the first time I ever heard Over the Wall, I remember it. I remember, I remember hearing it going, "Oh my God, Testament's really good."
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and I, I, I always kind of feel like Testament, you could have swapped Testament out for any of those other four bands.
1: My wife always thought it was a Metallica song she'd never heard before, before she really knew about Testament. She was just like, you know, she's like, you know, I never really talked about it much, but she was at the bar with some friends and, and they were putting on some Testament. She's like, oh my God, have you, have you heard Testament? You know, because she, she heard Souls of Black. You know, and, uh, um, and some, some other stuff off that album. I mean, that was kind of like their big breakthrough album. There's some stuff, there's actually some, some mid-tempo, uh, kind of, almost doomy kind of stuff on that. Mid-tempo, almost radio metal type stuff, you know. Um, yeah, but, they, I mean, they went
0: through, they went through a weird
1: period I like that shit, though. I, I like it when they became kind of more mid-paced rock. You know, it was it was heavy and fucking. They really capitalized on on Chuck Billy's vocals and and uh, uh fucking um Alex Skolnick's guitar playing and you know the way the way him and Eric Peterson. I mean, it's just fucking. You know, I thought it was great. I liked the the weird. It, you know, I like practice what you preach and then and then you had uh, Souls of Black. The song "Souls of Black" was it kind of a mid-tempo sort of kind of like you know pre-black album Metallica black album song you know I mean I mean I've always fucking loved Testament they went through a weird phase where they where they fucked around with death metal and I don't really think that really worked very well for them you I, know they're,
0: they're, I'm, I don't know I'm just I'm to me to Testament they kind of have that same sort of arc to their career that Anthrax does.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, the John that, Bush era, but they never yeah, had John the, Bush. The
0: Anthrax didn't necessarily abandon heavy music the way that I think Megadeth did on Risk. Yeah. Um, Anthrax still stayed in the ballpark, and it still felt like, yeah, this, this scene, it makes sense in the greater picture of, of the band. Mm-hmm. T- Testament kind of, to me, has that same sort of trajectory, but I. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping because they're slotted to be on this tour with, with yeah. Slayer, uh, Lamb of God, Behemoth, and Testament, right? Yeah, that sound right.
1: Mm, that's exactly it. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm hoping. I'm hoping that maybe this will, you know, this will maybe put a little more emphasis on those those five other bands that weren't in the, in the big four.
1: I think people are going to go back in Testament's catalog. I mean, the, the last three albums they did are fucking great. Brotherhood of the Snake is great. Um, Formation it's, of Damnation uh, is great. Thing,
0: the same thing with Exodus, too. The last... Oh,
1: God, yeah. The,
0: the last ten years for Exodus, I mean, obviously, Rob du- Dukes left, and then Zetro comes back. Mm-hmm. But Blood In, Blood Out, oh.
1: I love oh that God. album. I fucking Wonder love God. Zetro, man. He's, he's like... Zetro's
0: amazing, man. He's amazing. Like, He's a, and on top of that too the the influence that Zetro has had on Testament too mm-hmm. is 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 super important because I mean legacy, you know what I mean? They, yeah. That's who Testament was before they were Testament, you know? So huh.
1: And fuck yeah, I mean even like, you know, Kirk Hammett was in Exodus. You know what I mean? You so Yeah. You know, I mean it's just I mean I I really fucking think dude I think Exodus really deserves it because of the shit they did. Uh, they did some. They were one of those bands that they kind of like like Testament. They went kind of mid tempo, mid tempo thrash. You know? Uh, fucking. Uh, the, the album after um, Impact is Imminent. I can't remember the name of it. But like, Zetro fucking really had some pipes on him, dude. He sang some kind of like almost kind of like uh, gruff sort of doom kind of vocals. You know what I mean? Sometimes. Um, yeah. What is it? Yeah. Um,
0: is it. Does it, go, does it go Paul Bailoff, then Zetro, then Rob, and then
1: Zetro? And then Zetro, yep. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that it? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And see, the thing about it is people kind of forget about Bailoff while they're listening to the Bailoff stuff that they are used to Zetro singing. You know what I mean? And yeah, that, it, yeah. it's, you know, And, and it, it's fucking, it's so good, man, like that, that, I mean, it's a good thing for Exodus that Gary Holt's in Slayer you know, it's going to show some interest, you know, and I just, I really, what's really great, man, is back in, like, 2007, 2008, when Thrash first started to make a real big revival, I mean, you had, I mean, you had Hatchet, Municipal Waste, um, fucking Toxic Holocaust and these bands, that were coming up, and, oh, fuck yeah, well, I mean, like, back in 2008, like, uh, I remember, like, Revolver Magazine did a Thrash issue, and it was, like, the top twenty thrash albums you must have, and it was real yeah. thorough and stuff like that. And you saw kids wearing big white high tops, you know, in fucking battle vest shows, right. you know. And you saw like a thrash resurgence, and then it seemed like it kind of faded out a little bit. And then like since about two thousand fourteen, at least in around here, it's just fucking started up again and never fucking stopped. Oh, and
0: it's 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 huge. It's massive. Uh,
1: I love it. Fucking I fucking love it.
0: Warbringer. Um, yep. Uh, it Hellbringer too, which is funny because I was just thinking about Hellbringer is amazing. There's there's a there's a revival happening. There's a revival happening with Thrash and uh, true to the term heavy
1: metal. Oh yeah, uh, Stalker is a great fucking band. Like S- Stalker,
0: Sacred Leather from Indianapolis would be a really good. That's that's or that's Dustin from
1: skeleton witch his other band which oh dude well i mean of course fucking midnight you cannot fuck with midnight dude yeah. i mean there's a band you need to check out okay i'm going to recommend this band speaking of thrash and if you're a fan of slayer uh fucking suicidal tendencies dri excel Municipal waste iron reagan this band i believe they're from sweden they're called dr living dead with an exclamation point dude <laughs> they on stage, they wear these skull masks with, with uh with bandanas. They look they look like the Suicidal Tendencies mascot, but on stage. They wear shorts and hoodies and shit like that, but they have like these skull masks, realistic fucking Tom Savini looking fucking skull masks with fucking bandanas, and they play the sickest fucking thrash in fucking four forty standard tuning, and they the vocals go from like uh a mic mirror kind of like I'm singing like this for no reason, kind of like that kind of voice, you know. He does that to a shouty kind of like fucking DRI thing. Right, if right. if you love classic thrash and you're like a really fucking fun band, they're called Doctor Living Dead! Exclamation point at the end of it. Check them out. I, I fucking that's my that's my pick of the fucking week. <laughs> pick of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Feels like we're wrapping it up. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you do this? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so, hopefully yeah, we'll be doing this more often now.
0: Yeah, yeah, they should come with a little more frequency. The holidays are fucking hard. It
1: cripples the- you for fucking like four months, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, yeah, it it's fucking and then we and then we had a completely fucking bizarre uh snowstorm blizzard thing here in North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, it's,
2: it,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, so much going on, man. Yeah, it's
0: it's, it's this time of the year for the three of us that make Music the lifeblood go. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, we're into the new year, so I feel like, yeah, we should be able to get these with a little more frequency. So, yeah, cool. We're good to go. Um, okay, yeah, before we go, just heads up, if you like this shit, we're on Patreon. All you gotta do is Google Music the Lifeblood Patreon. You'll find it real quick. You can give us money. We'll take it. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, obviously, and then the uh, Music the Lightblood podcast, Sound, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Podomatic, Stitcher, I don't know. They're, they're on all that stuff. And then, obviously, Conversations from the Pit, its sister show that I host, Vinyl Thursday. So lots of Music the Lightblood output to be had in many different forms. So, all right, that's it. Okay, uh, Music the Lightblood, Conversations from the Pit, another episode wrapping. Music, light, blood—something old, something new. What are you listening to?